0: Good evening and welcome back this evening. We're going to be talking about some really cool items that you might find around your lodge, some items that you might debate, whether this is worth keeping or worth throwing away. We're going to talk about some items that are trash or treasure. And we have a great guest on this evening. that's going to help guide us through that and give some of his personal opinion as well. So we have an excellent episode lined up for you right after this on historical light.
1: Welcome back to the Historical Light Masonic Podcast, dedicated to illuminating our past and bring our Masonic history to light since 2016. now, enjoy the show.
0: Good evening and welcome back to Historical Light, an independent Masonic show focused on the historical events and aspects within Freemasonry. I'm your host, Alex Powers, and we are stoked to have with us our Grand Secretary of Kansas, Most Worshipful Tracy Bloom. Brother, thank you so much for being with us this evening.
1: Good to be here and and, uh, always enjoy the podcast and I just wish I could make more
0: of that song. Not a problem at all. Yeah, it's stoked to have you here with us. And before we get into really the main part of the episode tonight, uh, we want to ask you just a couple questions uh, just to get to know you before we kind of get into uh, the main discussion. But first off, do you have family history prior to yourself in Masonry?
1: Uh, Interestingly, yes. And I say interestingly because when I joined, (laughs) <laughs> when I joined, the, when I joined the lodge, I had no idea they belo- <laughs> my relatives belonged to, to the lodge, and uh, so I I didn't join in my hometown. I moved away from Clay Center to Salina. I joined the lodge there. Um, <clears throat> the only really the only thing I knew about Maestri was that my uncle was a Shriner because we always used to get Shrine service okay. tickets from him, and uh, so. But after I joined, I discovered. Uh, well, this uncle that we got the shine tickets from, he was actually at my third degree, and I said, "What are you, what are you doing here?" And uh, so, so he, so he told me, you know, and it kind of opened my eyes a little bit. And so, yeah, I had many, uh, many of my uncles were Masons. Um, you know, unbeknownst to me, I was probably raised in a community of Masons. Uh, sure. I, I went back for an emblem presentation at clay center lodge one time um the mayor was there who was a mason uh, my scoutmaster was there who was a mason wow um my um minister was there who was a mason and you know those those connections just kept growing and it really kind of it was it was an epiphany for me right i mean it was like wow i these are guys that I all looked up to, always looked up to, and um, they were all Masons, and now, now I know why.
0: That's fantastic, you know, and that really kind of goes to to show the importance that Masonry still has, but had even more uh, back when these, you know, towns were more smaller in size and close knit that i mean pretty much any lodge you look into i think it's safe to say when you look at the earlier generations of that lodge kind of all the who's who were were masons and i think there's reason behind that and that's that's really really neat to to walk in and see all these important figures that are
1: involved yeah absolutely absolutely
0: you know i mean along those same lines i've personally been to at least two master mason degrees um where you know someone i knew would sneak in and i didn't know that they knew the person being raised personally but that person didn't know they were there they wanted it to you know be secret for a certain time during the degree that they you know uh see them there and that's like oh my god you're you're a mason too and there's just yeah. something really cool about that
1: yeah it is it is
0: so with some of those influential figures and family, uh, I know you said you didn't really know about it early on, but is that something that brought you personally to masonry or what is it that made you decide this is for you?
1: Yeah. Um, so I said I'd moved to Salina. One of my friends there, that I, co-workers that I worked with was a mason. And, uh, and, and of course, that was when the, uh, the temple was still uh, being used downtown. Sure. Uh, which which is just a huge iconic building oh, yeah. not only in salina but in you know mid uh, central kansas and so um they would do lunch there every thursday and anybody could go to the lunch and so he invited me over to go to lunch and then he showed me the lodge building in the room and, and uh so so that night when we were and I, that, that was about it right i mean we didn't really have any more discussion about it after we left and so that night when we were leaving work, he work he said, uh, "Well, what'd you think?" I said, "Well, I know, that's, probably, that's pretty cool." I said, "I said, you know, how do you, how would you join?" He says, "No problem." <laughs> he had a petition and he handed it to me, <laughs> and the rest is history, I guess. So,
0: well, there you go. So, with that in mind, over the years, what is it that's really kept you around and kept Masonry as something forefront in your life?
1: Hmm. Well, that's, that's a good question. Um, I, I can tell you this, um, from, from the night of my initiation, I was completely, um, I was completely blown away by mastery and caught up in the teachings. Um, it was very impressive to me. You know, we talk about the Masonic experience and I want to talk about that for just a second here because, um, so it's cause I, I, I think I have a unique story. Maybe it's not, but, um, many of you know that I'm, I'm pretty big Pink Floyd fan. I love Pink Floyd music. And, um, so prior to me becoming a Mason, I decided that I was going to listen to all the Pink Floyd albums. And so yeah. I remember uh, the very first one I got to listen to was Dark Side of the Moon, which is which is a phenomenal album. And um, so I didn't want to just listen to it, right? I wanted to experience Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. And so um, I came home after work one night, <coughs> excuse me, took a shower. Uh, got all cleaned up, sat down at my stereo, put my headphones on, uh, made me a made me a nice drink, and uh, listened to that album from the beginning to the end, uh, at least four times, and uh, very um, it was an experience. And I know that sounds kind of corny and and uh, you know, but it was. But it also taught me that, you know, just listening to music, you can't hear what you need to hear unless you experience listening to mm. music. And so that was kind of ingrained in my mind. And when I went to take the degrees, I kind of took that point with me. Sure. And I remember I remember taking in every uh, every little detail every word that was said i i can to this day i can still picture the guys that gave me my interrogatories, and thinking about the answers that i had to give and what that meant and those who have, who came before me which i didn't even know was my relatives at the time but i did <laughs> I, I can still tell you what i can still tell you what the anti any room uh, uh it had a smell, right? There was an odor. It wasn't unpleasant odor, right? It was, uh, it was an odor, you know, there was a little bit of leather in there. And, you know, um, and so um, the same with the experience in, in the initiation uh, passing and raising. Um, I just took in as much of that as possible. And I attribute that to my experience with listening to Dark Side of the Moon. And That's interesting. Uh, which, which really, and, and we, you know, we talk about the Masonic experience today Yeah. and, and, and that, you know, you can't just, you can't just be a Mason. You can't just take the degrees. You have to experience it for yourself. And okay. when you experience it for yourself, then you have, a um, more solid connection, not only with the teachings, but the people and for the whole process. So,
0: I couldn't couldn't agree more. That's uh that's beautiful the way you put that. You know, we we hear a lot of those same correlations uh, brought up when we talk about like chambers of reflection and stuff like that. And that seems like it was kind of a very personal chamber of reflection of yours. It it put you in that mind space and really made it that much more impactful. And that's amazing. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, it, it it absolutely was, and and so so from that point forward, um, I've just been all in masonry, and uh, you know I, I do what I can when I can. I mean, I can't always be everywhere all the time. But um, yeah. <laughs> well, well, uh, but but you know, I mean, if, you know that, and I think that's the whole purpose of masonry, right? Is is one um, being unselfish and helping other people. And um, I, you know, I try to live up to that every day. I know some days I fail at that. (laughs) Uh, I've I've got the old cliche, you know, the grumpy old grand secretary's personal responsibility speech. Uh, And and I've given that a time or two. Uh, I've given, I've given it to myself a time or two. Trust me.
0: Well, you know, I I think, uh, I think that's really important to remember because Uh, not to talk bad on guys, but we have so many today that really, I would say side more on the membership and it's just, I'm a Mason and that's all there is to it. And there really is that realistic side that, you know, I can look at myself and say, there's days that I am not a good Mason. And there are days that I'm a great Mason, but the point is, you know, always envisioning that, that rough Ashler to that smooth Ashler and just understanding that we're humans and, today may not be as good as yesterday but the point is we've got tomorrow and we're going to keep chipping away and to understand that masonry is a way of life and not just a little plastic card in your wallet so that's that's really beautiful to hear um i do got to throw you a little bit of props uh not just because you're the grand secretary um, but we are truly lucky to have you in that spot you're talking about you can't be everywhere at once but we all know, uh, well, at least all of us in Kansas here, know how hard you work and truly, truly appreciate everything you do because our jurisdiction wouldn't be able to run without all the labor you put
1: in behind the scenes there. I, I appreciate that, and, and and I really do. And I, I know I joke about it a lot, but, uh, you know, it, it is labor love. So, um,
0: Oh, I I, yeah, 100%. Well, before we get into it, I want to thank everybody over on the Facebook side that's joining in. I'm seeing a few uh, on the YouTube side and we're on Instagram for the first time tonight as well. Uh, we got Yvette on here, my wife sharing it out. So thank you so much for that. And I do gotta give a quick shout out to our Patreon supporters who help us keep the lights on and grow around here. Uh, Been doing this since 2016, fully devoted to Masonic history as our topic. So if you like what we do here and wanna help us support and grow, You can go to the website slash support and join us through Patreon and get some really cool perks to go along with that. We've got the lapel pins, we've got the breast jewels, um, but you help us spread the knowledge of Masonic history just a little bit more each time. Also we're back to advertising Masonic Con, Kansas ticket sales did just go live for 2024. Uh, it's going to be in uh, July this year, July 27th, and we'll be back at Rosedale lodge. It's going to be an amazing lineup. We haven't started announcing the speaker names just yet, but it truly is an amazing lineup. I'm excited to get these guys to Kansas and, uh, It's going to be a really really fun event you know we've done this twice now and each has been a learning experience so it just keeps getting better and better so if you're at all interested we get guys traveling in from all over the country and beyond and you could join us to head on over to masonicconkansas.com and uh, click on the tickets link and grab you a ticket for that event all right man let's talk some history now I, i know you've got a bunch in your chamber over there what really brought this episode up? I mean, you know me. I, I'm the nerdy guy that gets a call once a month about you know stuff getting thrown away, and I'm driving across Kansas to to bring it back and scan it and all that good stuff. What really brought this uh, this up is I got a call from a past grandmaster uh, that belongs to a lodge not too far from me, and they had a case here of stuff that. just kind of odds and ends nothing super important so they were going to get rid of it and uh this past grandmaster thought "Ah, i bet nerdy alex could find something in there he might enjoy and did i But I don't blame the lodge at all because these are really odds and ends. Um, But I look at things in a little bit of different way. So we're going to kind of look at a few of them and understand why some people's trash is another's treasure and why I look at things. But also we're going to discuss that double-edged sword because I don't want to just promote every lodge to be a hoarder as well. That's easy to do. (laughs) And uh, as me and Most worshipful Bloom were talking about prior to the show, especially with so many lodges closing down these days, where does it all go uh so so much to talk about in that sense but let's talk about that just uh before we open up the case here what is uh what is your overall opinion about masonic history and what do we do with
1: it all yeah that's that's a tough call um you know the unfortunate part about it is um masonic history is disappearing every day yeah Um, Lodges don't real realize what they have and, and let it go one way or the other um, The unfortunate part is many many times. We'll have lodges that can Are are starting to be non-functional and and the secretary takes a lot of stuff to his home with him to do work on it at home uh, Then he becomes not He he goes out of office and the stuff never gets back to the lodge. Uh, Years later, he may pass away, and the family says, "What what is all this crap?" You know, and uh, instead of um, asking the lodge about what you know if it's important or not, uh, a lot of times they just throw it in the trash, and yeah, that's how. um, Among other other ways, that's how you see a lot of these items end up on. uh, On eBay or uh, online auction or something like that Um, which is unfortunate because uh, you know we I I can tell you I don't think it's any big secret we we actually had to buy back some annual reports from a lodge uh, that were posted on eBay and uh, you know we didn't have to give a lot of money for it but should never been on eBay sure Uh, but uh, but we did get those back which set us to wondering you know how much more of that stuff out there you know are, are we missing and, um, yes, definitely. so yeah it, it's 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 a it's a scary thing when you think about it because um you can't replace that history right um right. you know we we get um I, I don't know i suppose at the office we probably get Five six requests a week for genealogy research, mm-hmm. and you know we we do have all the old card files, uh, three hundred seventy thousand of them, I think it is. They're all digitized, so we have those. Um, Which makes things so much easier. <laughs> and, oh my god, it does. Um, but you know, when they're doing that research, uh, there's there's really not a lot of information on there, um, yeah. and but to get the information that we really would like to have, which, which actually is the annual report from that lodge for 1859. um, You know, that's a whole nother project. That's going to cost thousands of dollars to get done, And, you know, we just, we're not at that point to get it done yet. Um, So, yeah.
0: uh, It's a big conversation to have for sure. I mean, it, It's crazy to think about that on the Grand Lodge level, but it happens. And even more so on the local Blue Lodge level. I mean, you and me have had the conversation early on when I took over uh, with uh, Lodge Research. We had found that there was an entire defunct Lodge uh, records from the time that they were under dispensation to the time that they closed. And these were purchased for what we found out later to be $5 in a a estate sale who knows how they got there. They got there. Um, but, and, and I guess we'll kind of bridge into a second topic here. Uh, we found these on online being advertised under, you know, satanic spiritual stuff like that. And they wanted, I think it was $5,000 for this, or they were going to take them in the backyard and incinerate them if we didn't pay them right then. And luckily, and oddly enough, uh, we found out that we had a a mutual acquaintance, somebody that actually knew this person that was able to talk him into some level of reality. Uh, we had to pay for them, but we got them for way, way less than they were asking. But unfortunately, you know, it, the reason we did that is because it wasn't just one book; it that was an entire lodge's history out there that did not yeah. exist anymore. And that's that's kind of a a soft spot for me personally. Uh, I guess we'll throw up here Brian's comment calling me a uh, nerdy Alex. Where'd it go? There it is. Yeah, that's me. So when I think about that, it's hard for me when lodges, um, what, what's the combined or, or close and transfer and all this even though those records go from one lodge to the next in a lot of cases we see those lodge records kind of get shoved to the back closet or you know there wasn't many members left and they went with the secretary uh, that was you know real passionate about that lodge and it went home and ultimately these records are lost so when I find a, a box like that that is the entire history of a lodge that's no longer uh, existing, it doesn't take long before, I mean, think of it in a genealogical sense, if uh what, a couple generations down the road, you barely know who your great grandparents were, names and stuff. When you get to great great grandparents, nothing, right? So kind of the same happens with a lodge. Doesn't take very many years after they uh combined or transfer or whatever that lodge just isn't really talked about anymore and then bloop they're gone all they are is a line item and an old annual report and we know nothing about that lodge um so it's tough but when you find in the entire blueprint of a lodge uh we felt that that deserved to be saved but it really is tough because there's so much stuff out there and i think ultimately we'll have to get into talking about probably our kansas lodge research kits because I think that is where we're at is we have to save this stuff digitally because even if we can and want to save all the physical, it's not going to last forever is the other side of it. We've got a lot of different things hitting us in that manner.
1: Yep. I 100% agree. Uh, you know, one of the things that has come out of, uh, you know, when we do a consolidation of lodges, uh, one lodge goes away and moves into another. Uh, we, we are now putting in the edict of consolidation that the receiving lodge is to receive all the records from the other lodge and to get with uh, Kansas Lodge of Research and Alex and get one of those archival kits and, and get not only the lodge that went away's documents archived, but the lodge that's remaining, get their information digitized. So um, we're, we're, we're hoping that works, I'm, I'm not sure in reality if that is actually happening, but Uh, we're shooting for that
0: anyway. Well, we've we've had at least one lodge uh, do that successfully. So it's, it's worth putting it out there. And uh, for anyone listening, that's curious about that. If you are a Kansas Mason and you guys are in a spot to digitize your records, get a hold of me. We have a few kits available right now that we can get to you. Uh, If you're in another jurisdiction and you think that sounds interesting, shoot us a message. We have personally helped a handful of jurisdictions now duplicate uh, the program that we're doing and, we don't know it all. This is a blueprint that we started from the ground up. Uh, we can grow together. And that's why we're excited to get other jurisdictions in this uh, is because for one, we can't do it all. We're struggling just to get our jurisdiction uh, digitized. Um, but as other jurisdictions get into this, we can learn together and make this program better and better with time going on. Uh, but now is the time because it is disappearing. So this is cool. Uh, Stoops is actually the grandmaster that dropped this off said, Oh, nerdy Alex might find some cool stuff in here. And I did, Uh, It didn't take me long. A lot of this stuff is like financial ledgers and whatnot, but here's the thing is we've every lodge, we've got all this history, right? And we've got everything from our minute books to our Tyler's register that started out in the minute books and now separated. We've got the financial ledgers. We've got letters. Uh, we've got photographs and what do we do with it all? Uh, I've heard a lot of people say, well, everything outside the minutes is junk. Uh, And sometimes it is, but you never know when you're going to find that historical connection to connect dots. And that's kind of the beautiful thing about the digitizing is it allows you to safely let go some of that stuff that's not overly pertinent. But as long as you have a digital scan of it. Uh, you can always go back and secure the data. Uh, and especially as we move forward and get these OCR capable systems, we're not going to have to go document by document anymore. We can, you know, do one keyword and it's going to search through all these. So I'm curious, uh, most wishful bloom. You, you were talking about some cool stuff that you found, I think in your personal lodge.
1: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> lucky me, probably by virtue of the office I hold in Grand Lodge. Um, when my lodge needed a new secretary, they uh, picked me. And uh, so when I was getting everything squared away or getting everything transferred over to me, uh, one of the things we had to do is go to the go to the bank and get the um, uh, bank accounts changed over. And um, there was a safe deposit box. We couldn't find the keys for the safe deposit box, so we had to pay... Couple hundred bucks to have them drill out and put new keys in the safe deposit box, uh, but I wanted to pull the safe deposit box out because I had no idea what was in it, and so I pulled it out and went through. There was a lot of cool items in there, and they're still there today. Uh, but in this particular lodge, right, they had they had the original, and I gosh, I'd have to go back and see when my lodge was chartered, but it was early, I mean, uh, late eighteen hundreds. Sure. They have the original deed for the building that was in there. Now, you have to remember, on on the surface, is that cool? Mm, Maybe. But the thing is, in the 1970s, uh, that Lodge building was struck by lightning and burned to the ground. And so the deed, and it's in the same deposit box, uh, is intact, but it has scorched corners on it, Right. (laughs)
0: Oh so I kinda,
1: sure, yeah. I'm gonna think you know, like uh, Prince Hall and the Charter for, <laughs> for uh, that African Lodge for yeah. whatever it was, you know, they like he ran back in there and pulled it out of the burning building. But um, but yeah, that was in there. And then to my surprise, and I sent Alex the pictures, and I think he's gonna try to put them yep. up, post them up. Uh, but um, there's a whale's tooth in there that has carvings on it. I and like, have
0: how cool is that?
1: no idea where these came from, <laughs> other than a whale, right? Right. Um, that, that's not a whale's tooth, obviously. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, these items were in there. Um, this one's a cool one. It's a, it's a whale's tooth. It has a picture of a, a, a whaling ship on there. And, yeah. Um, you can see the whale's tail flipping up there on towards the end of the tooth. Um, you yeah, look nice. really closely off of, the, off of the bow of the ship, and in about in the center of the water, uh, there's actually men in a rowboat there. I guess trying to get the trying to get the whale. I guess so. Oh, no doubt. Um, yeah, see yeah. So you know what? What do you do with these things, right? Well um they're obviously they are historical in nature they're probably have some kind of value although i I've, I've never um tried to uh put a price on or anything like that but uh yeah it was a, it's one of those discoveries that you just shake your head scratch your head and say well, right. the, you know what, you, you know the question is, you know where would this come from
0: 100 percent and And I would hope, I would hope that somewhere in uh, your lodge minutes, you know, it was addressed in lodge that, you know, this was donated by so-and-so and and this is where it came from because so many levels here, it's cool. How often do you see a whale's tooth? The artwork on it, oh my God, is amazing. But then who brought it? Where'd it come from? Why is it at the lodge of all places? Yeah. And it brings up an interesting point uh, and kind of a, a little nudge for our secretaries of today. Uh, be detailed with your with your minutes. I mean, you don't have to be a novel, but put the details in there because we've all seen those minutes that entirely skip over anything like this. We opened, we closed. Good night.
1: Absolutely. Um, the, and that is critical, right? Being detailed with your minutes. So um, because someday somebody's going to want to look back and, and find out what happened in a meeting that you may have been present at. And if it's not documented, then. Oh, sure thing. You've lost it. Well, So
0: cracking open this, uh, this suitcase here, which is just a really cool old suitcase. And it, you know, always brings up the question where the suitcase come from. That's, that's <laughs> how my nerdy mind thinks. So lots of odds and ends here, but just by looking through the odds and ends, which I totally get why the lodge said, ah, I don't think this is pertinent to our history. Um, there's a lot of things here that I've been able to kind of connect dots for, for me, um, which is, which is big. Some of you guys know we worked on the Grand Lodge of Kansas uh, website, and it, it's kind of neat because in the upper left-hand corner of a website, you, you typically got the modern day logo. Uh, well, to kind of embrace the historical side of it as well, kind of smack in the middle of that website's home screen, we ended up putting Uh, an old Grand Lodge letterhead uh, that I just really liked the design of. And we had found it scanned in, I think, the annual proceedings at some point. And it wasn't wonderful quality. And I've been asked a few other times. I think they actually blew it up and put it on the uh, Masonic Foundation's trailer for the car. uh, And they were able to kind of reconstruct it. But in this box, we found one of the original prints that has the clearest version of that letterhead that I've ever seen. Little items like this is huge because we don't have that clear version. And this is on original paper coming back from, uh, the grand secretary, Albert K Wilson at the time and just so cool. So this is stamped 1907, the clearest image of that particular uh, header that I've ever seen. Uh, they also have in here, and this is just neat. Nothing especially pertinent to Kansas. Uh, this actually came out of Ohio, but it puts you back and kind of connects you with history old regalia magazine and you can kind of go through here and see masonry in the times the uh the uh, aprons and the lodge officer regalia that you could order in the time they even have the uh the get ups for the various degrees and one thing we had talked about here well, oh, there you go you got your old uh, minute books for sale and of course some degree rituals we've got the the uh uh, the lecture charts on here which is really neat because we had an episode a while back with uh, brother chad Kopinski from ohio and he was talking really really heavily on these exact degree charts uh the pull down style and just uh, let's see there we go the old pull down style which is hard really hard to find anymore and we do find them they're not in great condition it's, it's cool to look back in time there and see, man, here's a catalog you could order that sucker out of. Here's one, uh, here's one for you, Most Worshipful. Back in the day, they took this stuff really seriously. An entire warning about a brother that uh, committed an offense. <laughs> And they oh, sent wow. that out across the entire jurisdiction, not only telling uh, the name, but the actual description stands five feet, seven weighs, but 150 pounds.
1: Wow. <laughs> oh, and, wow. That's and
0: warning. We don't see that too much anymore. Is that from his lodge? Uh, this came from the grand lodge and went oh. across the jurisdiction. It's uh, signed by Albert Wilson. Once again, uh, wow. this was sent out March 14th, 1906. And uh, let's see. This is a brother that belonged to Emporia Lodge. And Emporia was trying to find him because of something he did. Uh, So they were putting out a bit of a search across the state saying, if anyone sees this guy, we need to catch him.
1: (laughs) I'm a a Masonic APB. (laughs) Exactly right. You know,
0: here's another cool that I don't know. Obviously this is probably a little bit more modern. I don't know what year it's from, uh, but it belonged to a brother Lindsey Parker. And we I'm guessing secretary, but we've got his uh signature stamp. That's kind of cool. You don't see those every day. Um, um, so, um,
1: so interestingly enough, uh we we have um I don't know how many of them, but we have a lot of the past grandmaster signature and stamp form like that. Oh really? Yeah, we've got, I'm guessing we probably have 50 or 60 of them.
0: Wow. Now there is a ton of odds and ends in here, and I'm probably not going to find the exact one. Um, But obviously you go through these old papers like this and it won't show up on the camera well, but they're always embalmed or embossed with the uh, Grand Lodge seal. And going through one of these, it was 1800s, but it was a version of the Grand Lodge of Kansas seal, Uh, not our actual seal, but like a stamp I've never seen before. Uh, I had listed on their constitution charter and something else, but I'd never seen this design used in Kansas. and it was really neat because it kind of gives a glimpse back in the time of you know, how masonry was, you know, done on the business side of things and, you know, different stamps and seals. And we, you and I were talking just the other day about a, uh, uh, a lapel pin that someone had sent you and we'd find found connections with it that it was, uh, you know, being sold through uh, McCoy. It was at one point in our collection, but we have so many of these, uh, you know, grandmasters, coins and pins and stuff that were released through the year. Unfortunately, we just don't have record of exactly what was released. Uh, so right. it's always cool to, to find those various items.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, interesting story about that. And that was the, the COVID year, right? <clears throat> we had to postpone Dale's um, annual communication uh till what july or august or something like that and uh so we we yeah. only had a we had a limit of 50 i think that's that's all it could gather so um we had found this box of annual communication jewels that were a hundred years old and we decided to give everybody that attended one of those jewels and oh, yeah. As I was handing those out, I realized why we had a whole box of them because that was that was the pandemic of, of the what it was a swine flu or something back then, and and they yes. didn't have they didn't have the annual meeting, so that's why they had all the extra badges.
0: <laughs> so I think that was actually uh, was that Kellerman's year, because I think those were handed out at the the secret midnight meeting. If I'm thinking of the same jewel.
1: Um, I think those were a jewel uh, commemorating the Grand Lodge building at Kelly.
0: Okay. So you you brought up when you mentioned the swine flu, you brought up a memory that actually happened live on the show uh, because at that secret midnight meeting, there was the jewel given out. And then there was also books given out that were still sealed in the original paper binding with the twine. Uh, Oh
1: yeah.
0: And, being me, I mean, it was it was perfect. It was still sealed. I had the twi- I couldn't open it. I'm like, there's no way. I didn't examine. I mean, I had an idea of what the book was, but I had no idea the contents inside. Well, Kellerman had the exact same book from that year. He hadn't opened it as well, and he said, "You know what? We need to open it. We need to see what's in there. You keep yours closed. I'll give you mine. You open it live on the show." Not even thinking, it was from that time when you know the flu, and who knows if that had anything to do with it. But I opened that live on on air on this show, and within moments, I just started like wheezing and kind of coughing, not thinking anything of it. But I'm like, my eyes are water. I'm just not doing good. By the end of the show, people are actually commenting about it, and by the next day, I was on my butt sick for about a week.
1: Oh wow! (laughs) It's like, oh, you brought it back. wow interesting thank you calvin
0: <laughs> it could have just been some mold or something on there
1: yeah. it got me
0: now here's also a cool one uh this was tucked in here and when we we uh no especially back in the day when uh brothers of our lodge pass away uh there was always kind of a proclamation made it was often uh, published in the local newspaper but they made a big deal about it uh you know early days masons would have you know processions from their lodge to the site of the uh, burial and announce these proclamations and we actually find one of these in the suitcase with a ribbon and everything on it uh, just very very well and nicely uh Put together, and this is actually for the members of Doric Lodge. So, this would have been a defunct lodge that probably uh, merged in with them at some point. But this is dated December 28th, 1912. And try to find here the name of the brother would be A.R. Miller, is the one that had passed away, a member of Doric Lodge number 83 in Kansas. Hmm
1: interesting
0: and that's one i don't even i don't even think i've uh, directly heard of i know it's on the list but dork lodge now i'm now i'm really interested i'm about to see where they were and all that good jazz but yeah you know and that's that's another thing that we found in this particular box is with there being a lot of odds and ends uh there's a ton of uh degree petitions uh for you know new people trying to become masons and, and the, uh, the voting that happens and stuff. Uh, But within the various papers, we found seals for, I think I've seen so far, three different defunct lodges that no longer exist. And it's cool because from what we see today from, you know, an administration side of archival, we've got like an Excel spreadsheet, right? That shows the, the data of when that lodge existed, when they were chartered, we don't really see what the embossed seal looked like that they used. And man, that would be cool to be able to uh, eventually have all those kind of scanned in and digitized and, and understand you know, what, what these lodges used, how it looked, get that feel for their personality.
1: Yeah, that, that, that would be cool. And, and I don't know if you know this or not, but um, there is quite a collection of lodge seals uh, in the archives of Grand Lodge. Is that right? I, I wouldn't, I, I'm guessing probably 80, 90 of them, probably. Oh, wow.
0: okay. That's really cool. Do you uh, ask you an odd question there? Do you know just off the top, uh, with, you know, I know this varies from lodge to lodge, jurisdiction to jurisdiction, but would you say a good chunk of those are like standardized designs or are many of them kind of customized to, you know, a lodges?
1: I, I think most of them are probably, I, I think the majority of them would be customized. That's cool. At least with the lodge name on it. Yeah.
0: Now this is kind of cool. This is one I I haven't personally seen before. And th- you know this is one of those things we get variations of uh, of certificates and stuff that are put out over the years. And this is yet another. Actually, this isn't even from Kansas. So this one, uh, this is a master Mason certificate for brother bliss dated here, 1898, 1888 down below. Um, but it's got a lodge seal on it. What's this one say? That one is from DeSoto. So here's, a, here's an embossed seal from DeSoto Lodge in Kansas. Those don't show up very well. But the one down here in the corner, I'm guessing, is probably uh, the original is from, I don't know if it's pronounced, Celina C-E-L-I-N-A, in Tennessee, and has uh, their lodge seal on it. And that's lodge number 398. Really cool. But that's, again, that's a Master Mason certificate design that you know, I've never personally seen before. Uh-huh. Yeah yep that's cool so then one thing i i thought was really neat we got down to the bottom of this and at first i was thinking holy crap these are still valuable i uh, got talking to <laughs> brother stoops because we were going to return them to the lodge uh, and it it appears that they've actually been cashed out um, but there's an entire stack down in the bottom here of old savings bonds Uh, these are $25 savings bonds from 1910.
1: Wow. And just
0: kind of cool. You know, it's one of those things that's not directly Masonic in nature, but it's all official. It's made out to the lodge itself. Uh, it's just really neat, really neat to see. That's cool. How things used to go. So all really, really cool things that we'll be able to get scanned into the archive and, Mm -hmm. uh,
1: yeah. See, on, 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 on a on a on a first look at that stuff, you're probably thinking, "Why in the heck did they keep it? Why, and why are we keeping sure. it?" Well, it's history of the lodge, and and you should keep it because, uh, you know, does it have any big intrinsic value? No, it probably doesn't. But it's history of the lodge.
0: Well, so so you had mentioned a deed to the building. I'm just grabbing random papers here. <laughs> <laughs> 1890 the deed to the soda Lodge. <laughs> that's cool. So again, like what is, what, what does this have to do today? And that is a very personalized question uh, because some people are going to see it as more valuable than others. Others aren't going to see the value in it versus like lodge minutes. And that's totally ju- uh, justifiable. It, it is 100% a double-edged sword conversation uh, because yep. we can keep every little nook and cranny and, Piece of paper that comes by us, and we just become hoarders. Um, yeah. But in today's world, and I think that's important to emphasize that up until this point, we've got to realize that there was a misgeneration because up until this point, the mission with archival with our history was just to get it, get it in one safe space, and that's why we saw such a push there for a long time with like the Grand Lodge. Uh, They issued out duplicates of the charters and one of the original charters back. uh, And a lot of, you know, the history and stuff went to the Grand Lodge because they built brick buildings and they declared that to be fireproof. It was the most fireproof in the time. And that was the extent of archival. Get it where we think it's secure and history safe. Well, now we get 100 years down the road and it's like, well, there's tornadoes, there's fires still, there's water damage and the paper's falling apart. We got book mites. We got this, we got that because we've now gapped into the age that we have modern means that need to be addressed. And that's where these scanning kits come into, into play here is that we have more capable means to archive today than they did a hundred years ago. They did their job and now it's time for us to do ours. Unfortunately, scanning's kind of been out for a while. But as Masons, we've kind of missed a generation in that archival sense where we're still just collecting and keeping. And we never, not never, because we're getting there now, but too late uh, to kind of bridge that gap. And now we've got a ton of work cut out for us, unfortunately. But if we can get it scanned, then it's not the end of the world. If we don't have every last piece of paper, we still have the data. We still have the history collected. Yep. Let's see. We've yeah. got some comments coming through real quick. Go ahead. Most worshipable, what were you going to say I there?
1: Say even, even at that. And you and I talked about this a week or so ago about the, you know, digitization and, and preserving everything digitally, you know, and it's not, it's not good enough just to make sure it's digitized and, and, and on a hard drive someplace because that hard drive can fail. So you have to have redundant backups too. So, yes. uh, you know, we, we've talked about that or, and, and, uh, um, well, the Grand Lodge is going to be changing how we archive that stuff, and so uh, you know it's just another another piece of the puzzle, right? That 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 we have to preserve. We have to ensure that it's preserved, even if it's digitized.
0: Yes, one hundred percent. You know, I I do websites for a living, right? And uh, we we build some really cool websites, but we had a, a client uh, about a week and a half ago called up. They got their website entirely wiped right well everything there in the sense was like our scanned records it's all digitized it's it's on a server somewhere we've got security in place but things happen just like fires happen and so forth and the nice thing about that is we don't have to copy stuff we don't have to rewrite stuff we, it is so easy to copy a digital file a million times over. You can, you can have that stored in multiple places so much easier uh, than deeds to your building or something like that. Um, it's, it's doable. We just have to think about it in a different means of today's world for sure. Let me see here. We've got a few comments coming through. We've got brother Dave Gilliam on here saying that is so true. Digitize or digitizing is so important. We've got Brian's Masonic page saying, Alex, we digitized our entire membership from the first candidate away back in 1811, right through 2011 from the occasion of our 200th anniversary We also digitized our first minute book and treasurer's book from 1811. Also, Uh, my mother lodge, let me expand that. My mother lodge being Houston, St. Johnston. Sorry if I mispronounced that, 220 or 242 on the roll of the Grand Lodge of Scotland. Wow. 1811 Grand Lodge of Scotland. That is really, really good job getting that digitized, brother. Uh, Most Worshipful Bob Talbot on here saying another great episode tonight. Thank you so much. And Tony Borum, past Grandmaster as well. Pandora's box. You know, it kind of looks that way. There's some really, really cool stuff in there. Uh, And it's one of those items, you know, there's so many kind of show you. There's so many uh, papers there. I'll never find exactly what I want to show you. But uh, there was actually trying to think of the year Early 1900s, single digits, um, but it was uh, one of the earliest bylaws, and that's really cool. Uh, That alone, uh, it was full written out. It was neat because it it was like lined paper, but it was, you know, yay long. It was huge, just kept folding out. But stuff like that gives you a peek into the actual personality, the lodge, and the time gives you an understanding of how the lodge was ran what were the understandings between the brothers what were the decisions they made of how to run that lodge little stuff like that really gives you a uh, a glimpse into the past it is kind of a physical time machine of sorts and can kind of give you an understanding of who the brothers were and like what it would be like to sit in lodge with them So just some really, really cool stuff there. And like we were talking about the whale's tooth in your lodge, right? Like every lodge has really random, really neat stuff in addition to the written history. And there is that double-edged sword factor of what happens to it all. So question, because, you know, you're the grand secretary, right? And we've got all these, all these lodges, unfortunately, that are at the brink of probably closing down in the next, you know, if you look in the next decade, you know, let's pray something turns around and we all gain members. But if we follow trends, we've got to plan on certain things. Um, where does it all go? What happens to it?
1: Well, question. So, right? <laughs> so as, as you may, may or may not know, right, our, our Grand Lodge office moved from Topeka to Emporia, uh, which greatly reduced the amount of storage space we have. Uh, but we do still have a fair amount of storage space, and, and I still do have a fair amount of uh, unoccupied shelves. Uh, that's that's going to that's gonna change up here in the next, um, within the next 30 days because uh, we just made a trip to the Kansas Masonic Home. Uh, we, we gathered up all the archival items at the Kansas Masonic Home, uh, they're actually in boxes in a trailer right now, waiting to make the trip to Emporia. Um, those will go on the shelves uh, at the lodge in Emporia. Um, when those shelves do get filled, uh, we we do have an option. It's an underground storage facility. Um, that, that, that's the name of it. They don't actually this this place doesn't actually store things underground. Uh, but it's, but it's in Topeka and uh, you know, it's, 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 accessible. If we need to get in there, uh, we can, we can get it because when we actually, when we give that to them to store for us, they require us to give us, give them an inventory of what's in there. Mm, sure. Uh, and then uh, but it's our stuff. It costs, you know, it's, it's not terribly expensive to, to store that stuff. Um, but it's, you know, that's an option when we run out of room where we are.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure.
1: So So, currently, currently most of it, actually all of it is at Emporia with the exception of those 30,000, 370,000 cards. Um, Those are actually in long-term storage.
0: Man. And just to bring up and uh, give props uh, for getting all those digitized that quite the undertaking but so needed and has made research so much easier. Um, I also want to throw in real quick, uh, you had mentioned going through the Kansas Masonic home recently, which I got to have the pleasure of coming out and joining you for that. I want to give a huge thanks for all the brothers uh, that came out. Uh, I know Garth Bloom and all the guys from uh, Albert Pike Lodge down there in Wichita. I saw uh, Most Worshipful Talbot was there as well. ton of guys came out and I had been there, I want to say, three times previously uh, for meetings, and you know, we we got to see the main room, obviously the lodge room. I knew it was a big place. I did not know it was that big. There's so much to it, and it made it even bigger. We went through with the uh, 360 camera from Lodge Research uh, to do a virtual tour, uh, to build one. And I noticed that place had been expanded so many times throughout the years. Um, But because of that, there wasn't like a solid second floor by any means. Like you've got stairways with little corridors here and then another one over here and another one over here. And there, it made the place massive. Uh, It's so many closets to look through. And I guarantee you there's stuff that we didn't even see (laughs) just so much so much
1: there you know know, and absolutely one of the interesting things we found down there and again I'll give my shout out too for everybody that helped with that um you know Garth Garth Bloom did a yeoman job of uh, putting a crew together uh Justin uh Crippen also uh Pyramid Lodge I think uh had a bunch of guys there they helped us uh that made quick work of what we had to do and that is greatly appreciated uh, but but one of the gems that we found down there, we didn't even know it existed right was there is there's a I believe it's a portrait of Albert K Wilson. Yes. It's a different pose than the others that I've seen of him, and it and it was done by the artist. His name is Stone, uh, who did the other portraits that are that hang, that hung in the Grand Lodge uh, building. Um, he also. Uh, has done portraits and uh, murals at the state capitol building. Um so that was a that was a, a pleasing surprise that we found there. Uh I, we didn't even know it existed.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, there there was so much stuff there. I mean, even back to records from the orphanage and stuff like that that you know just sat there dormant for so so long. Um there was even, you know, just because we were going around trying to get shots for the virtual tour, uh, we got in one little corridor. It was over by the library. There was kind of a little back staircase that went up that I don't know what the, uh, the original purpose was. I was uh, guessing maybe workers like sleeping quarters or something like that. It was almost like a small apartment up there. Uh, but there's three rooms that just looked like fairly modern stuff that had been thrown there and kind of like an attic space. And my wife, who was helping me, happened to open up one and found a case back behind it, and it was filled with a whole bunch of records from Pyramid Lodge. And it's just like that every every time you turn around, uh, man. Here's there's a whole other, <laughs> whole another uh, general thing of history that could have been missed. So, so much. Yeah,
1: and we and we almost missed that, right? I mean, <laughs> dang. I, I... You know, I th- and I think the new owners are, are absolutely uh, willing if they come come upon something, they'll let us know. And that's fantastic. Uh, you know, that's well, fantastic.
0: That's fa- well it, it's fantastic. It's also fantastic uh, to know that uh, the facility is being reopened and is going to serve its uh, serve its purpose again and be brought back to the glory of it. So 100 percent happy to see that.
1: Yeah, I, I want to expand a little bit on the. You mentioned that the orphan records. Um, yeah. So, so, we did. Uh, we did come across um, orphan records from when that building was actually an orphanage back in the eighteen eighties, I think it was, and um, which was a complete surprise. Not not on the day we went to pick it up, but it was a complete surprise when we when I went and met with the director earlier.
0: And he sure. walked over
1: and he goes, he goes, Oh my God, these are orphan records. And you know, then you know, then I, you know, the wheel started turning, right? Okay, well, what are you gonna do with them? Are you required to keep them? Or are you required? You know, what do you what do you he says, no, we're not, we're not gonna keep them. Uh, and the new people that 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 buy this, you know, they'll probably put it in storage for a year and then throw them away. And I said, Oh my god, yeah. we can't do that. We can't do that. So we we do have them. I have no idea how many orphan records there is, but there was a lot.
0: Yeah. I, mean, I, I remember seeing at least what, five or six large size uh, file cabinets uh, that we pulled out of there. there. There were quite a few. I mean, to remind everybody, obviously quite, quite old orphan records. Uh, this facility has been around uh, since late 1800s when it was purchased by masonry but yeah there was you know an orphanage turned into uh, an elderly folks facility and we we found a bunch of pictures uh that correlates with that and, you know we're we're going to get those uh digitized in to try to preserve some of that history as well um but you know most worshipful bloom luckily talking to them about those records uh, felt that kind of brotherly bond and responsibility that You know, this is something important from our past, and it's not records that we can just allow to disappear. We've got some kind of tie to them. And just as you're saying that, I find uh, an old paper in this box with a picture of the Masonic home and some of the orphans.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, that's cool.
0: Uh, Two questions real quick here uh, before we wrap up. We've got most worshipful Bob Talbot asking whose grandmaster portrait was found in the upstairs attic
1: of the Kansas Masonic home. Do you recall that? I, I, I do. And I looked at that. I originally thought that was um, a portrait of Tom Rom, but it wasn't. It was, mm, I don't remember who it was now. Um, I'd have to go back and look at that, but um, I, I don't remember who it was. No worries It was though. not Tom Rom
0: we can get back to you and let, you know, talking about Tom Rom, The other question here is most wish Tony Boren was asking was past grandmaster Tom's Rahm, Tom Rom's jewel recovered. Yes. Fantastic. I, I didn't even know about that. I don't think so. That's really, really cool to hear.
1: Yeah, that was, that was, that was actually secured over a year ago. So,
0: Oh, there you go. Yeah. So just on that note, um, I would encourage anyone to to look up the history on the Kansas Masonic home such a a prideful history of Kansas Freemasonry a beautiful facility and I will butcher the dates trying to remember uh, the exact and it deserves its own episode that we will do one today in the future when we get all the rightful information to really uh, present the history of it um, but there's so much there is a very stunning uh, mansion that was pre-existing. And Kansas Masons bought it in 1890s and had utilized it. I know it was revamped and added on to in like the 1911, 12 era. And then what you see today where it's really that kind of Spanish revival theme in a massive facility uh, was in the 1920s uh, when it got that final uh, revitalization and is just a stunning facility. And it's kind of cool. Uh, when you go in the front door there, uh, beautiful, beautiful facility. But over to the left is kind of the the old side, the historical side. Very nice. But then you go to the right, and it's like almost two complete different buildings all in one. It's really neat how they did it so seamlessly uh, between the two. Yep. So definitely hope one day we will do an episode on that and kind of talk about all the, uh, the intricate history, uh, hear about it so much in years past. And, uh, there's, there's a good story to be told there with a lot of pride and history involved. Uh, and I don't know, I didn't, I don't think I personally got a picture. There was a really, really cool original. I think it was original blueprint over the fireplace there of that place, uh, that we'll have to include in that as well.
1: Yeah, I, and I believe the new owners are going to have all that um, photographed. Um, that's wonderful. Even the history, uh, that, that that hall that had all the history. Of the building, yeah, yeah. Um, they're going to have all that photographed, and, and I it's my understanding that they'll share those uh, with us.
0: Well, that's cool, though. On that note, then, so it, it seems like the new owners don't just want to a- – necessarily a fully clean slate masons never exists as new facility they kind of want to embrace the history of the facility i think
1: so that's awesome yeah
0: that's cool to hear all right well we are at 902 it has been a fantastic episode very enjoyable chat with you you're another one of those brothers uh, especially with all your experience in masonry and behind the scenes with the grand lodge that i could sit and pick your brain all day uh definitely need to get down to the grand lodge with you here very soon and uh figure out some of the stuff in the archives some more but i want to thank you so much for joining us this evening please tell your family thank you for letting us steal you away for a little bit Uh, but before we wrap up completely this evening we always end off with a toast and i want to see if you would uh, be kind enough to offer us up a toast this evening
1: sure So um, this is just a generic one, right? So may the wind always be at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face and the rains fall soft upon your fields. Until we meet again, brother, may God hold you in the palm of his hand.
0: Cheers. Fantastic. Brother. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. Thank you so much for all that you do for Masonry. Uh, I know this is a job for you, but it's one of those jobs that is like no other career because yeah, you can't avoid it. It never ends. You know it doesn't. <laughs> your email, your phone never turns off, and I truly. Sometimes I get that from my wife. Who's calling now? I can only imagine. That powers again.
1: <laughs> yeah, I probably deserve yeah. that.
0: I truly don't know where we would be as a jurisdiction without you in that spot. So eternally grateful for all the work and labor
1: that you put in. Well, I I thank you for those very, very, very kind words. And I, I, I do appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Most definitely. Everybody. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. And I would just end this by encouraging you each and every one of you have a box in your lodge stuff sitting on a shelf, stuff in one of those old file cabinets in the corner. Uh, Whether you know what's in there or not, I guarantee you don't. Go take a second look, find out what you have, and take on the project of digitizing and preserving your lodge's history. I guarantee you, whether you've seen it before or never before, you will rediscover something uh, that really connects the dots and tells you an amazing story about your lodge and it connects into masonry in the larger picture. So with that, brothers, thank you for joining in. And until next time, keep preserving history. Everyone have a great night.
1: Thanks, Alex. Bye.